Hello and welcome to this episode of Trite Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Gonzalez. Uh, this, episode, this episode is presented by the Pacifica Athletic Network. Uh, this week, I'm excited. We have two special guests with us today on our podcast. We have our head girls basketball coach at Pacific Christian, James Parker. Um, and as James said earlier, a local legend, Jeanette Poland. Thank you for being here. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. No, so I'm excited to have both of you guys. Um, Jeanette, uh, you have an impressive basketball playing career. Uh, local standout at Brea Linda, correct? I'm, I'm right there. You uh, Did you play all four years varsity? Yes, uh, all four years. Cool, cool. And then uh, recruited and attended Stanford University. Were you also there for four years? I was. You were yep. uh, couple championships or almost 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 okay. almost <laughs> I, have, I have you into four straight final four appearances yes every year final four it kind of that is impressive it's crazy I look back on it and I think I like didn't realize at the time you know because yeah. it was like right away we went to a final four but yeah came close no championships unfortunately that that, that not too many people say they can even do that so That's congratulations true. on that one. and then it seems like your career continued you have a first round draft pick in the WNBA uh, ninth overall, I will add, by the Indiana Fever, and you won a WNBA championship in 2012. What was that yeah. like? Pretty amazing, honestly. It was um, kind of made up a little bit for the other, the non-championships that gotcha. we did win in uh, college, but uh, it was just one of those special years. Like on paper, we weren't necessarily the best talented team, mm. um, but we all knew our roles we came together we had really great chemistry on and off the court and everybody played their roles really well and mm. that just kind of gave us a lot of success yeah no i mean that's that's an impressive feat as well and lastly i mean coach is right there's a lot of here there's a lot here a little look uh the world university games we were talking a little bit about that I, it's the first i've heard of them sorry for those of you that have played in the world university games but a gold medal representing our country please tell me more that that seems interesting yeah so usa basketball they kind of have these um feeder teams as they're looking at kind of putting their roster together for the national team so in college um you try out usa kind of puts this pool of players together similar to the national team but okay. more on the collegiate level um, they put a, put together a pool. You go to Colorado Springs, their training facility, and you try out. Um, and then that summer, it's in different locations around the world. So that summer was in Serbia, actually, in Belgrade. Oh, really? So, um, But the cool thing about the Wor World University Games is that it's a lot of different sports. So it was like mm. men's basketball, women's basketball. They had water polo. They had track and field so it's like this big kind of like mini olympics for the younger players essentially mm. like moving into the national gotcha. scene yeah it's kind of like a feeder system yeah yeah so a lot a lot of the players i played with ended up being on the olympic team which is pretty cool that is pretty cool yeah is it predominantly college age kids yes because it's university games yep. i'm assuming okay. yeah and then i would say like the pan american games um there might be one or two other kind of tournaments like uh worldwide tournaments that they um put their teams together for gotcha yeah okay cool um and then so coach james you guys uh kind of just started connecting over through cal swish tell me a little about like where your guys' history kind of comes in and maybe the the past you have that you didn't know you had if that makes sense <laughs> right well um so obviously uh i'm coaching a uh, club with cal swish right now mm -hmm. and jeanette Pollen was a, a played for cal swish uh, back in 2006, 06, 06, 06. And, yeah, and so you know, kind of was familiar with who she was, 
and uh, recently she's kind of got into you know coaching youth and 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 being able to mentor young women and so she's coaching a group of young kids that I'm familiar with and we kind of connected that way and she does a fabulous job I think she's a great role model for young people mm -hmm. and it's great to see people with her type of background and and her type of uh experience and being able to share that with young people and having having them grow and learn and have something they can look up to and and aspire to be yeah thank you yeah That's nice. should have her on more often you know? <laughs> <laughs> um so so part of this you know i'd like to talk uh, kind of jump in and talk a little bit about um kind of your high school career and maybe the impact um high school athletics had for you you know, being a, a high school a Pacific Christian and this podcast kind of being outward facing towards members of our community and really the, the youth sports community. Um, you, know, you hear all this talk about the value of club and value of high school. I'd like to just kind of hear you know, where high school came in and how it impacted you in a positive way and helped prepare you for this impressive career that you have. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing I can say, I was definitely lucky to be a part of a great program with a lot of rich tradition. Um, Brailinda, you know, for a long time was kind of one of the powerhouses. The team, in, yeah. Yeah, in Orange County. And um, I played for Jeff Sink, and he's won kind of everything you could win in high school, girls' high school basketball. So um, I really feel like he just, the way he ran the program, the way he ran our practices, it was like a no nonsense type situation, mm -hmm. right? And, um, Going into the next level, I completely feel like he prepared me for hmm. um, kind of what to expect going into it. Like, it's not, we're going to have three-hour practices. It's not going to be easy. You're going to run. You're going to get yelled at. Like, it just, it is what it is. And it's it was true, right, when I went and got to Stanford. I mean, it was like, it wasn't a shock hmm. um, just from kind of what I dealt with in, in high school. So just having that, like, mentality, and I've seen – Coach Parker kind of run some different drills and workouts. And I would say he's very similar. Like you can tell he's getting these girls ready for that next level. Cause mm -hmm. just the way things are structured, the way he approaches things. And um, it's just going to be helpful for them. It's not always easy. They're not going to like everything as a player. There were drills I didn't like, but you know what? It made me better. Mm -hmm. And that's really what the point of, the drills as coaches yeah. that you're trying to do. It's yeah. all about improving each day. Yeah. No, and, and that it's it's encouraging to hear that high school played that role in helping prepare you. Yeah. Um, you know, for the next level. Uh so the landscape, you know, ha, the landscape of high school sports has changed, I think specifically for female athletes in the last twenty years. I think the access and opportunity, like I'm thrilled for my daughter um, to have the opportunity to now play high school sports, play club sports, play even at the next level. Because um, I don't think it was as true to that and to them maybe 20 or 30 years ago. Um, you know, you could say social media helped with that or, or, you know, the Women's World Cups, actually, whatever. There's a lot of things that have helped project female athletes in this country, which I'm thrilled about, especially being a, a girl dad. Um, what are some advice you could say to some girls who have that goal and maybe – don't know what that looks like or how to navigate that. And, you know, you talked a little bit about just the perseverance, but kind of just maybe words of wisdom to some of these girls that are listening. Like, I want to do what she did. You know, how do I do that? Um, yeah, I think um, having short-term and long-term goals was something that I always like to do at the beginning of every season and the beginning when I first got to Brea, Stanford. 
um, but more specifically in high school, set those like short-term goals for the season for yourself. Mm. Set the long-term goals, like where do you want to be your junior year coming in as a freshman? Um, and I know for me, I was pretty self-motivated um, and you got to want it. Like you really got to want it mm. because that is what separates the good players from the great players. Like those, those players that really want to put the extra effort in, the extra work in, and kind of identifying those weaknesses you have and seeing what you can do to improve those so that they're not weaknesses anymore. Mm. Um, I think two things I would definitely say for these young high school players, be coachable. Mm. These coaches know more than maybe they think that they know. <laughs> and, you know, as a teenager, you're, you kind of feel like sometimes you have everything figured out yeah, and right. <laughs> the things they're telling you may be like, you're like, okay, whatever. But like, just be coachable, even if you don't necessarily agree with what they're saying or how they're going about it. Having that mentality of like just kind of absorbing and being a sponge and wanting to learn hmm. um, will just kind of get you really far. So I would just say be coachable, have a good attitude. You can always control your attitude. You can always control how you handle situations and you can always control your effort. Hmm. Those are things that are things that only you can control. Yeah. You can't control the shots you miss. You can't control the turnovers. Like those are going to happen. And as somebody that's kind of like slowly starting to get into coaching, I'm learning that. I'm like, I don't want to have to tell somebody to focus five times during practice. I don't want to have to tell them to bring the energy, bring the effort. Like, yeah. again, that's something, those are things that to me separated me from a lot of other players. Like I just went hard every drill, every practice, like I didn't know anything different because mm. I just wanted to be the best. Yeah. So those are some things I would. No, those are um, words of wisdom for sure. I, yeah. As a coach, and James, I'm sure you could agree, you know, you can't coach attitude and effort. Like when, when you know, I coach girls soccer, when those girls show up and they may not be the best technically or even tactically always get it, but if their attitude and their effort is there, like it's, it's almost a win. You can build off of that. Um, coach, do you? I, f I feel like you would have some questions for Jeanette just on – um, her journey and some of the things she's accomplished, you know, you being a high school coach now, a couple of years with Pacifica and being in, obviously in the club world for so long, um, you know, I'd like to know some of your insights on, on it. Well, as you're talking about your preparation and your dedication, how committed you were, um, which is one of the things that helped catapult you to play at the level that you played at. So when I see a lot of young, my young players and are kind of left to their own to be able to build their skill set um, to put in the extra work, a lot of them don't have a format or they don't have a clear vision of what that really looks like when you're doing individual workouts on their own. So I wonder if you could kind of help young people understand if, and if you did, did you have like certain things that you did? Like, you know, you got in and you spent 15, 20 minutes on your ball handling stationary or whatever. Did you get under the basket and work on your forms and your shots? Things like that where like I tell like my young kids have a ritual. Have something that you go to every day consistently. Don't get bored with the basics. Be strong with your fundamentals. So what would your advice be and what, what maybe experience do you have as far as kind of formulating a plan and having some structure to this type of stuff that you did? Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. Um, having, having a ritual, having a routine. I was definitely, and still am, I'm just somebody that's a very routine person. Um, and I had a shooting routine every time I came in the gym. When I was getting warmed up, I I mean, I would always get there super early so that nobody else would be in the way while I was shooting because I just like to have that time. Um, but 
As far as ball handling for me, I can remember like working for my dad in the summer sometimes and just being in his warehouse, just having two balls and just doing ball handling. So for me, I'm like, when people, when people can't handle the ball or they're not putting the effort in for that, I'm like, you literally don't need a court for that. You don't even mm. need a basket for that. That's like, to me, if you're not working on that, again, you don't want it bad enough. Um, but again, going back to like really figuring out what your weaknesses are and which ones you kind of want to tackle first. So uh, I would say like, for example, for me in high school, I was like, what I like to call a point forward. So I would just bring the ball down. I'd, you know, kind of run the plays and then go get in a position to score essentially or screen for somebody and I'd be open. So I never really shot threes. I could shoot like there wasn't that I couldn't shoot, but I, I wasn't really a three point shooter. I got to Stanford and freshman year, Tara Vanderveer is like, we need shooters. Hmm. We need you to come in. We need you to be able to knock down some shots and fast forward my probably like end of freshman year sophomore year and I was like one of the go-to shooters fast forward to my WNBA career that's literally what I was known as Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of funny when you put your mind to something and you really focus on different things you want to improve that's kind of what happens and again shooting that's muscle memory you can't I just feel like there's things that you can work on that don't require a ton of like effort other than doing it um I just got a ton of shots up every like almost every night after practice I'd get on the gun and I would just shoot I'd shoot threes I'd shoot everything um so it's really just kind of putting in that time but again a kind of identifying which weaknesses you want to come tackle first yeah so that would be my advice you know when when we first started off I think uh, you had talked about um, you had talked about your Stanford team when they went to the Final Four four times uh, four years in a row, and uh, the chemistry of that team and how everybody understood their role and how everybody played their role to to a high level. Um, just recently, I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a soundbite of Gino Ariema that's kind of gone viral the past 24 hours where he talks about nowadays people use the word role model like it's a bad word. Oh, they're just going to be a role model when they get to college, or they're going to go there and just be a role model. And he's like, why is this such a bad thing? Hmm. And I don't know if you have some advice because even in high school, you have kids. It's very important that everybody understands what their strengths are, have good self-awareness of what their weaknesses are and how that, how they can work together as a team. Mm -hmm. How, how, what would your advice be able, what would your advice be to a young person where they can learn how to embrace, um, maybe where they're not great at, or maybe what their role is and learn how to embrace their role and learn how to be stars in the role and, and. I think it's more about acceptance. Yeah. But what would your advice be? Yeah, I think, um, listen, only one person can have the ball on the court <laughs> at one t- you know, at one time. And it's like, you. there's so many other ways you can contribute on the court. Um, and I know, like, at Stanford, we had we had a couple of players. Um, Roz Goldenwude, she's actually, like, an ESPN um, and did TNT and she's doing all these broadcasting and podcasts and stuff now. But when she was at Stanford, she was a lockdown defender and she took so much pride in that. And mm. as her teammates, like we appreciated her so much and we let her know. So I think like as a teammate to somebody that maybe isn't quote, like going to be the scoring threat or, 
you know, isn't going to be the leading rebounder, whatever it may be, that gets more of the notoriety and the recognition. Um, like at the end of the day, do you want to win? <laughs> hmm. um, because if you do, you're going to do whatever it takes for the team. And again, it's like if your your teammates need to support you, um, help put you in a position that you can be successful like I know for me playing point guard at Stanford my role like was to make sure everybody was in the right position getting people the ball where they could do something with it um, Mm. running plays that will help everybody be successful Um, it just it was so much more to it than me and um, once you kind of take that out of it where okay I'm not gonna take a shot every time down I'm not going to you know, do this and do that, and you take out that, like, selfish mentality, then, I mean, everybody wins. The team that's winning is going to get more recognition. So if you're on a team, maybe you're not the leading scorer, maybe maybe you're not the leading rebounder, whatever it may be, but, um, you know, playing for a team that's winning and doing big things, like, you're going to get seen and recognized. Hmm. It all makes makes sense putting the – it's, I mean, it's the cliche saying, but the whole there's no I in team, right? Uh, but there's so much truth to that. Like, it, at, at core, there's so much truth to that. Um, I'd like to kind of switch gears a bit, but not, I guess, if you can, if we can kind of relate the dots. Tell a little bit to our listeners, maybe a time as a student athlete where you faced that adversity at some of those highest levels and kind of maybe what you did to overcome them. You know, I think high school athletes now are so hard on themselves you know they're so critical of them they're their worst critics you know I see it I'm sure you see it coach um what did yeah what was a moment where you had that and you overcame it and kind of moved forward um I think just I don't know these days it's tough because and I don't want to like make myself myself sound old but we didn't have we didn't really have (laughs) social media like even even when I was playing and I mean, I graduated from Stanford in, like, 2011. I think I had, like, just got a Twitter my junior year. The big thing it was, was, like, like starting. MySpace way back then. Yeah, right? I remember doing, yeah. like, a group project at Stanford um, about Twitter, really? <laughs> like, getting started. And anyways, yeah, but, yeah, I fingers. think it's yeah. just a different reality for these high school kids and um, what they have to deal with, like, each and every day. And when they have games and they're being filmed or it's being put on social media, it's like I could I – could, empathize with them as far as just like having that feeling of being judged I Mm -hmm. guess every little thing you're doing um for me I definitely was hard on myself but I also realized that I'm gonna make mistakes for me to answer your question I think playing point guard at Stanford was a very um daunting task Mm. because Tara um, it, she just her expectations are very high for her point guards, and it was one of those situations where, okay, you're somebody else is in the wrong position. The play was run wrong. We it wasn't even my fault, but I was it was on me. Like yeah. it was my the blame was on me. Whatever went wrong, it was on me. And when I first started playing point guard, I was kind of like, dang, like that wasn't even my fault, you know. But for, in her eyes. As a point guard, it's like, you know, you need to make sure everybody's in the right position. We're running the plays that we need to be running. Like, defensively, we're all on the same page. It was like everything was kind of like up to me. But mm. um, one one thing I can say is that 
I like to say that I had like short-term memory loss. Like mm. I just, I would hear, I would hear my coach totally take what she had and try to make the corrections, learn from it. But you gotta, it's like next play. Yeah. And that was my mentality. Next play. All right. I made a mistake or I turned the ball over, whatever, but all right, we're going to get it back. We're going to do something else and I'm going to keep improving. So mm. that's kind of my, my advice, more of a next play mentality. Yeah. Like yeah. you're going you're gonna to make mistakes. It's yeah. Part of the game. Yeah. Like, Always at the highest level. LeBron makes, I mean, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like the top athletes make mistakes. So it's yeah. like you can't be that hard on yourself. You're yeah. going to have to, that's how you learn from those mistakes. It's very, and I think you're right. I think social media has totally, I mean, all you see on social media is the good or yeah. everybody laughing at the person that made a mistake. Yeah. There's, there's no like, at Pacifica, we talk a lot about like failing forward because mm -hmm. through failure comes growth. But you don't get a whole lot of that, I think, these kids at least. Um, and I don't know, Coach, you, you may have more insight with your team on that one, but I just think overall you, there's not enough of encouraging the failure, encouraging the process even. Um, so, Well, it's, it's something that I encourage. I'm just about every practice we probably have that a discussion or there might be that subject might come up um, to some degree. Maybe not every practice, but it, it does come up quite often that it's, you know, like I had, I met with our girls maybe a couple of weeks ago before practice and in our pre-practice, that's what we talked about. This is a safe zone. This is, this is our sanctuary. It's okay to come in here and not be perfect. It's okay to come in here and fail. It's okay to come in here and make mistakes. You're going to come in and I'm going to get frustrated. I'm going, you know, I, I'm, I'm very specific when I want things done a certain way. And if it's not done that way, I'm going to let you know that I didn't like the way it was executed. But it's a safe zone. We can walk out of here knowing that we're doing this to get better, and it's, and it's all out of love. And so I kind of admonish and, and encourage my girls to be able to take risks. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's an important quality to have in a culture of any type of sport, any type of uh, high school or whether it's club, is to kind of create a culture and an environment where people feel that they're cared for, where they feel like they're safe. And um, when I first got into coaching, I was all about the X's and O's. I was all about player development. And I never realized, but now getting into my 15th year of coaching young people, how much of it is about how much of it is relational, mm -hmm. how much of it is about knowing that they care and doing things. My best moments with my team are our van rides to our strength and conditioning. It's the mm -hmm. going to uh, grabbing, you know, going to grab talking a about dinner, talking about <laughs> dinner, talking about right. Food. And then, but then, but then when we get on the court, I'm all business. Yeah. But I'm able to be that way, and I'm able to get them to respond to me the way I want them to respond to me because we have that relationship and we have that bond. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I we talk we talk about it a lot, and I just tell them you you're not going to get better if you are not willing to to fail. You have to be willing to fail. And I used a quote. I don't want to butcher it right now, but I used a coach the other day that uh, you can't be successful without first having the confidence to fail. So if you don't Sounds have about right, I don't yeah. think you butchered yeah. it. Well done. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have the confidence to fail, you'll never have the confidence to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. I I have a question for you, Coach. Yes. Um, how do you feel like? I mean, you've coached kind of at I would say like right at the beginning of social media, before social media, and here we are, kind of in the, in at the peak. I would say. Um, mm -hmm. What do you What are your thoughts on just how? things have changed, like how the girls are, um, 
in high school? Like, how do you deal with all of that as a high school coach? Um, I think it's really awesome thing for us to kind of dive into and, and talk more about because when, when I got into coaching, it was like when social media started exploding mm. and I actually use social media a lot to degree for my own branding and marketing. And, and I see the purpose and the goal in it. And, um, and nowadays with where it's gone, um, for the most part, I like to coach kids that aren't caught up into social media. And, and the kids that I do coach, I constantly remind them, just drown out the noise, focus on the work, and and all that other kind of stuff will take care of itself. So if overtime basketball decides to get a clip of you and a highlight and they like to post it on their on their social media platforms, which have like millions of viewers, great. But don't don't focus in on that. Don't um, don't search for it. Don't go out looking for it, and don't let it affect your work. Don't okay. think because you got highlighted on Women's Slam, you know, Instagram that you've all of a sudden arrived. And don't <laughs> think that that's going to take care of your recruiting because that's not going to take care of your recruiting. Right. Um, and and it's like, it, if that's the case, like you said, it's like, where are your priorities if that's all you're worrying about? Like, what what are you really wanting out of basketball? Yeah. You know, are you wanting the fame? Are you wanting, but are, or are you wanting to be the best? Because like you said, just to touch on that, it's like, it'll work itself out if you are one of the best players in the country, in the world, whatever your goal is. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I'm kind of on the same page as you. And I, maybe that's partly because I didn't have it growing up right. either. But I was also like, I didn't really care about that stuff. Like I just wanted to win and whatever I could do to help my team to win. That was my goal. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to identify people that you want to play for you as those type of people who right. really love to compete. And I think it's also important that you foster that. So yeah. it's because you're not always going to get everything and you, and you also have to kind of create it yourself. You have to teach, you have to teach young people, you have to hold them accountable and you have to kind of give them direction. And so when it comes to that kind of stuff, I want players, and they know this, and that's why I fought, this is how I foster it, is I want players that just, they love the game because they love to compete, they love the camaraderie, they love the teamwork, they love to set goals, and all those things. Because I ran into these, these issues a few years ago where I started noticing players that played for me that were more concerned about how many likes they got on Instagram with their mm -hmm. video, who was recruiting them, who was not recruiting them, uh, their highlight videos. And it was like the only reason why that why the, some of these young people play is for that purpose. Mm. And then you watch them struggle when adversity hits them in a game yeah. because they're not yeah. they're more concerned about how they're how they what their appearance is or how they're being looked at or or you know, you got Tara Vandeveer or you have, you know, Lindsay Gottlieb at Cal Berkeley and she's sitting there on the sidelines watching you play because they're recruiting you and you just went one for eight. And you're more you, when you get caught up in those external things and you let all those that noise kind of interfere with your game, you're not going to play well. So I try to help them understand like that's you got to be in the moment. Mm. You got to be focused what's important to your team. Yeah. You got to be willing to fail. You can't be looking at that kind of stuff because what they don't understand and what I try to help young people that are looking to play at the next level to understand, when those college coaches are watching you play, it's not so much that they're caught up that you want one for eight. Yeah, they want people that could execute. They want to find people that are highly skilled and fundamental and, and consistent. But they're also looking to see how you respond and what your demeanor, if your energy changes from one instance to the, uh, to the other. And that might have a better effect or even a way you can make a better impression on that college coach on 
what type of person you are because right. they yeah. want people to know how to do it. Well, and, and it's interesting. You're yeah, echoing absolutely. you're echoing what we talked about, I think, two episodes ago. We had a head college coach in here talking about recruiting during a pandemic. And one of our questions was, you know, is your inbox just filled with videos? Are you just watching Baller TV and NFHS? And he's like, there's nothing like recruiting a, guy, a person in person mm. to see what is the adversity like when they get subbed off for not playing well. How do they respond? How are they as a teammate? Because you're right, social media, it's just, it's just all these highlight clips and you don't get to see the true character of a person, the true character of a team. Um, so it's encouraging to hear on a completely separate episode now, it's echoing the same thing. And you, Coach, run your scouting service. I doubt those scouts or those college coaches are checking your social media and just basing decisions off that. They're probably calling you saying, hey, what's this person like? Right? They're what? probably calling you and the relationships that you've built is what they're basing recruiting off of, not a 10-second clip on Instagram. Well, that's what I was talking about earlier when if you think that these highlights that get posted on all these different platforms are going to take care of your recruiting, you're, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. And that's not to say that it won't come across my line. If I'm a college coach, I might get like someone's going to forward me like a highlight table or I, they might follow these social, plat social media platforms as well and they see this kid. But what's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to pick up the phone. They're going to call a coach. They're going to yeah. call somebody that's got boots on the ground and say, yeah. who is this kid? What's your thoughts on them? What kind of person are they? And I know it's, it sounds like we're, you know, like we're beating a dead horse with this, but I've said it, it's been said before, and I'll say it again. When a college coach calls to ask about a kid, they don't go like, hey, are they good? Almost every time it's like, what kind of person are yeah, they? Yeah, tell me about them. Tell me about them. What, what's their family like? Are they good students? Yeah. And so I think kids just need to kind of really well, focus on that a little bit more. That's, that's the kind of reality of the landscape too, and we're running out of time a bit, but – Colleges care so much more about the whole person, and and they look at college they look at high school athletes as almost like you're going to re represent our school. So what are you like as a person? Do you, what are you like in the classroom? What are you like on social media? Um, you know, it's it's not like maybe when we were recruited out of high school where they just look at the paper and check all the box scores and go watch a game. Like you could you see it all the time. You could completely tear down a university's brand. If you're a knucklehead and do something on social media and it gets out there and before you know it, you're on ESPN um, on what not to do. Um, but, well, guys, we're, we're hitting our, our time here. I want to thank you both for taking the time to join us today. This is very encouraging, very fascinating. I hope to have you guys back. Um, for our listeners out there, thank you uh, to Mark, our producer, uh, Mariah, our sports information director. Please like us, subscribe, follow us on YouTube, Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts. You can visit our athletic website, pacificathletics.org. Um, until next time, thanks, guys. Mm -hmm.